Good morning. How are we all doing today? Before we get started, I'd love for you all who are here to turn around and look at the sound booth. Our sound and technical stuff has been run by the youth today. And I think it's uh, a remarkable uh, journey that we've been on as we've been dealing with tech and dealing with all the changes. And I'm just grateful to the youth team to, in, in their willingness to step up and try new things. And today it feels a little bit like that video on YouTube where they're building a plane in the midst of flight. And this morning we're actually trying out some new software that you are responsible for, or not responsible for, we're responsible for, but you have gifted us. So that's uh, on today. So I actually have control of the slides now. Um, we are going to be adding some new pieces as we go over the next few weeks just to try and make this a little bit easier. There's a little bit of feedback, Dave, if you want to jump in and, and uh, give me a hand, thanks. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what this is going to look like. And yes, I'm preaching through plexiglass more than ever before, and we're all wearing masks, and we're all kind of trying to make the best of a situation that's incredibly challenging. But I, for one, am grateful that we are able to still gather. And whether we're gathering here in person or whether we're gathering behind a computer screen or your phone or wherever you are at this moment in time watching this, I am glad you're part of this community and I'm glad that you're here this morning. And we prayed this morning, Karen prayed this morning for the elders. I want to remind you about the nomination form that's available. There's a copy of it here. There's also a copy in uh, Church Center if you want to do it digitally. And just hand it into a board member or to me or any of the staff and we'll make sure it gets to the right place. Um, I, I want to share a conversation I had this week uh, with Justina, and I don't want to put Justina on the spot. She gave me some incredibly wise counsel, and, and I think that's really important to share with you. And we were talking about nominations, and we were talking about this being a new thing for the church, and that this sense of disconnectedness that we're experiencing, uh, we both agreed that this is a pretty difficult time in general, and, and how do we actually take the time to do nominations when we're maybe not with people and I don't know you as well as I ought and, and I'm not sure if you might be the person that could lead us and I'm really nervous putting a name down here because I don't know if you're the right person or I don't know you that well and, and all of this disconnectedness is making this more challenging. And, and, and Justina reminded me of something that I had written down when I actually put the initial um, plea out or when, when Kevin put the plea out, um, that we're asking you to pray. We're asking you to seek God's leading in who should be the leaders of our community going forward. And I think what we see right now is a disadvantage. Our disconnectedness makes it harder for us to, 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 to decide who should be our leaders. But I actually think we get the human component out of the way right now because the scriptures tell us that we see the outside but God sees the heart and so what we're calling you to do the staff the elders me is to pray with us pray that God would bring to your mind 
somebody or a group of people that are called to lead us in this next season. And, and Justina's wisdom was, tell them that. Tell the church that this is what we're being called to do. And it was such an incredibly wise thing. It was kind of a, an elder-like thing to do. Um, not to put Justina on the spot or think that she should be nominated. Um, that's entirely up to all of you who are praying. Um, sorry, Justina. Um, but it's true. I think God can speak to us. I believe this with all my heart, that he can put a name on our mind and it might even be a person you don't really know that well. But God knows that person intimately. And so I, I'm, I'm going to invite you to do this. It's, it's, I think it's one of the most important tasks we do as a community to put up people who will lead us for the next season. Also this morning, I have uh, put out an email. There's copies here in the back for those of you who are here. For those of you who are online, I've sent out a mail, chimp email with the link. And it's a series of questions. And it's linked to this particular sermon. And my intention is to, from now on, have available for you these, a sermon questionnaire that allows you to go deeper with the topic. And the intention is that you would use it in your life group or you would use it for personal study. But I'm hoping that it will help you to take what we talk about on Sunday morning and allow God to speak to you through the sermon beyond Sunday. And maybe in your life group or in your family, talk about some of these topics to see how God might want to draw some things to your attention or how he might want to encourage you because you're getting some of this stuff right. I think it's not always about not getting things uh, right and being chastised, uh, but often it's God encouraging us. I think most of the time it's God encouraging us, hey, keep going, keep running the race, keep fighting the fight because you're doing well. So the questionnaires are in the back or online. They're probably sitting in your email already. Uh, I encourage you to use those. I'm going to pray again just to kind of settle us and, uh, and we'll hear from God hopefully um, this morning. Father, thank you for the gift of community. And Lord, as we listen to hopefully your words, I pray they're your words, not mine. That you would speak to our hearts, that you would guide us closer to you, that we would become a little bit more like your son through this. And that we'd hear your voice clearly speaking to us in the depths of our hearts and souls. Father, I pray that the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth would be solely pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Karen and I were, were chatting the other day and we were recounting our week and it had been a particularly busy week for both of us, and we were both rather tired. It was a Friday, and we were kind of just, oh, I'm kind of ready for the, for the evening just to kind of settle and, and have a day where we don't have to be as, 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 as quite as engaged as we are most of the week. And Karen said something which I thought was rather profound. She said, you know, no, it doesn't matter how tired I am. It's, it's okay that I'm exhausted, and I am exhausted. I actually feel privileged to be able to study. And I thought that was a remarkable statement because 
in the midst of exhaustion and the busyness of midterms and writing papers and, and all the challenges that come with school, especially school in the midst of COVID, which is an incredibly challenging thing to do, Karen hadn't lost sight of the privilege that it is to study and the privilege that it is to be uh, in the university at this time. And I sat there and I thought, do I feel privileged? And I realized I do. I really, really do feel privileged. I know last week we talked about chicken wings with Kevin, and I don't know if anyone called out to Kevin and had chicken wings. Um, Mia has asked me to mention chicken wings at least six times during the sermon so she can go out for chicken wings with you again. And, but, you know, I actually, I actually sat in my, in my chair and I thought, you know, I do feel privileged. I feel incredibly privileged to be in Fort Saskatchewan and the crisp, cold weather. I saw the ponds were frozen this morning. And you got to remember, I, I haven't been with frozen lakes or ponds in a decade or more. And, and I sat there and I threw rocks on the ice to see if I could break it. And, and, I, and I realized, look up, people might have been looking out, what's this guy doing? And, and then I saw all the other rocks and realized that's what the other kids were doing as well. And, and I just sensed that God was so pleased with this, this simple engagement with his creation. And I get to preach, and I get to, I get to teach, and I get to interact with all of you, and it is an incredible privilege. But you see, this is the interesting thing. It hasn't always been this way. And, and Jesus says, or, or, or Peter says, to, to keep our eyes focused on God. If, if Bev, or I'm sorry, if um, Gwen had kept reading, she would have said, she would have gotten to the point where it said, therefore I will always remind you about these things, even though you, are, you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So Peter is saying to this community, this church, I feel blessed and I feel privileged to remind you and I will remind you and I will share these things for as long as it is mine to share until God takes me home, even though you already know this. And this was an incredible gift for me this week because sometimes I stand up here and I'm preaching to you and I look around the room and I can't help but thinking, I think you guys have it figured out more than I do. Who am I to stand here and preach to you? And then I realized that's the privilege that I have to remind you of something that you already know. And for me, it wasn't always so. Because I couldn't help but think back to a season when I was working with a group uh, in this organization called Emprendimiento Mundial, which is World Venture in Spanish. And we were in a season that was really challenging. And it, and it was a season that was really challenging. But you see, the problem was we had lost sight of the privilege that it was to be ministers of the gospel. And, and this whole group of us, man, oh man, we were just sour and we could not get ourselves out of this funk because we'd lost sight of the privilege and we'd seen it more as a chore. Now we're in the midst of a series on parenting. And I think I could probably stop there with this simple question. Do you see parenting as a privilege or a chore?
And do you see anything in your life as a privilege or a chore? If I'm honest, parenting was probably more chore than I would have liked it to have been. I missed the mark. But Jesus is saying this struggle, this reality is meant to sharpen us. Is parenting a privilege or a chore? You see, if we see parenting as a chore, children will hurt us. They will steal our joy. And we'll become so bent on their success and so broken by their failure, we'll lose sight of just the amazing gift that it is to have another human being love us. We can have incredible highs of pride and incredible lows of embarrassment. And I'm not talking about being proud of our kids or hurting for our kids. But I'm talking losing sight of the, of the child and only seeing what it is that they're actually engaged in. And this is an issue of identity. That did not change. So I'm going to have to tell you to change it. See, did it do it that time? No. Okay, so if I'm going to get you to change it, I'll just tell you when to change the slide. New technology. You're welcome to the plane being, uh, being uh, uh, done in flight. So these are all issues of identity. And when we look at ourselves, we really are asking this question, does this matter to me? And these have become issues, and I mentioned last week, these are issues of the heart. And the issues of the heart, these are issues that go deep, really, really deep. And they're, they're deep-rooted in the way we see the world. And so our struggles, whether it be in parenting, whether it be in our work, whether it be in any other interaction that we have, these heart issues are rooted directly to our identity. Flip the slide. Now, Peter is talking about... Well, this is not working. There we go. There are only two places that we can find our identity. It'll either be outward in the world, or it'll be upward towards God. Now, when we root ourselves in a worldview that's horizontal, when a self-identity that is horizontal, everything becomes important to us, and it becomes so critical and so stressful that it starts to eat away at us. And you see this again and again and again in people fighting for truth. And I'm not talking about upholding truth. I'm talking about the way we fight for it. I've got two friends right now beacon it off on social media. It's embarrassing. I love them both, but I want to just grab them and go smack because they've lost sight of what is important, and that's to love one another. You see, this can work itself out in our stuff, in our work, in our sense of worldview, in our relationships, and it can work itself out in our parenting. Because we can actually get our value and see our identity in our children, and it's an incredibly damaging place to have our identity rooted. You see, a vertical identity 
will lead us to situations where we can fail to see, without a vertical identity disorder, we can fail to see our children and what they're struggling with and only see what our own needs are and if they're being met. I see this again and again in parenting. I see this again and again even in my own interaction with my children. And I'm guilty of taking something good and turning it into something that embittered my children and crushed their spirits at times. I mentioned last week that there's grace. And grace covers that. And God does this work to restore. But as a parent, I am guilty of this. Of allowing my worldview and my sense of identity to be rooted in them as opposed to in God. But God has called us and it's God that gives us grace. And let's switch the slide. And it's God who, as Peter tells us, says by his divine power, he has given us everything we need for a, living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises Great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. Change the slide. This is rooting our identity upwards and not outwards. It's about saying and knowing deeply God. And when he says, when Peter writes to know God, knowing God, he's talking about a biblical understanding of knowing and it's deeply rooted in an intimacy. Do we have that relationship with God? An intimate, personal relationship with God. You see, we're relational beings. We are constant interpreters of the world and we filter that interpretation through our thoughts and those thoughts precede our actions. And our choices and our words are not made inside a vacuum. And it's a constant struggle in everything that we do. And when our relationships and our identity is a vertical identity, then it's going to filter through what the world tells us is important. But when it's vertical, we're filtering it through God's Word and we're filtering it through that intimacy with our Creator. And I think our identity issues play themselves out, and this is most acute inside our relationships with our children. Let's flip the, flip the slide. And I think as we, as we move through this, the more we grow to be like Jesus, the more productive and useful we will be. So the more we become intimate with Christ, the more it's going to change our relationship with our children. You see, our belief systems are always on display. And I think central to our personal belief systems is this sense of who am I? And if I think of myself as pastor 
or as husband or as father. Those are all good things, but they're not the things I should hang my identity on. What I should hang my identity on is I am child of God who is a father. I'm a child of God who is a pastor. I'm a child of God who is a husband. And it puts the first thing first. And it changes everything else. It allows for us to love, to accept, and to see our own true potential in the eyes of God. Because I think it changes everything. And it's about right now. It's about the way we live our life. The way we wake up every morning and see the world. And it's a way that we become grace-filled people. And as I said last week, who are in the process of sanctification. Let's flip the slide. You see, all of creation points vertical. And if your identity is not rooted in Jesus, it will root itself elsewhere and do damage to yourself and to your children. Let's flip the slide. And so Peter preaches this mini-sermon. And he says that God has given you everything you need to be spiritually mature. Everything. If you believe in Christ, you've got it all. It's been given to you already. And I think this is incredibly good news. Because it means that everything I need, my spiritual maturity, begins with God. It's not a bunch of things I have to do. It's not a bunch of work I have to do to kind of grab hold of all this stuff. It's a gift that's already been given to me. And Peter talks about godliness. And really, the, the Greek is, it means good worship. And, I, and, I, and I've said this, and I'll say this again. Worship and work are linked. So it's basically everything we do There's nothing in our lives that God's not saying, I want it to be done right. And it's a product of our beliefs, of our conversion to the gospel. And it can impact everything in us. And Jesus is calling us. He's calling us to go deeper into this. To make sure that this precious and very great promise that's been provided to you is something that you actually live out Let's flip the slide. And so we have this intimacy with God. And we can participate in this divine nature. So it's this renouncing of our sin. It's resisting those temptations through our relationship with Christ. And I think this is incredibly awesome news. Let's flip the slide. Because it means that I no longer have to live as I was. I could put Christ first. And I can pursue that spiritual maturity. Because what Peter is saying is that, yes, this has been given to you. Yes, it is yours. You already have it. But you've got to put some work into this. Because you can say no to it. And so Peter's saying, pursue this growth. Don't take it lightly. Root your identity in in Christ, a vertical identity. Let's flip the slide. 
so that you see the world through these incredible gifts. And these are the seven supplements to our faith. I kind of had this thought of vitamins that many of us, many of you, I don't, take vitamins to kind of get healthier. And, and so these are the supplements that we can take. And, and they've already been given to us. Let's flip the slide. And Peter is saying, add to your faith with every effort virtue. So what does a virtuous life look like? This is goodness. It's moral excellence. The Greek word is arete. And it's the same word that Peter uses in verse 3 to describe God. So Peter is saying, go out there and be like God. In everything. Flip the slide. To virtue, he is asking us to press in for knowledge. Again, this is intimacy. It's knowing God deeply. Let's flip the slide. So that we can discern his will. So that we know what virtue should look like because we know God intimately. So when we do fail, we know we failed right away and we can immediately get our view back upright. To virtue, we add self-control. This is one of the fruits of the Spirit. We all need self-control. We need those moments where we don't fall prey to the temptation that's surrounding us. Now, I've been calling us to community. I've been calling us to life groups. I've been calling us to stay pressed in and engaged. And the more we do that, the more self-control we're going to need because we are a broken bunch. And the more we rub shoulders, or COVID rub shoulders with six feet of space, it's not enough. We're still going to grade on one another. And we need to have that self-control with one another, for one another, for ourselves. Flip the slide. To self-control, we add steadfastness. And this is the endurance to run the race. Because life is long, parenting is hard, COVID is difficult, and if there's ever been a season that we need steadfastness, it's right now. Because God has given us this incredible gift, and he's saying, pursue it. And Peter's saying, grab hold of this. Don't let it go. Let's flip the slide. Because we do live in a difficult time. We do live in a time that's pressing us and stretching us, and we want it to be over. Nobody wants to preach through plexiglass, let me tell you. Nobody wants to sit in church with a mask. Nobody wants to watch Lisa sing. We want to we sing with her. Nobody wants to be on the other side of the computer because they have to be. You see, it's okay to be on the other side of the computer because you've made that choice. But when the choices are taken away from us, That's a time for steadfastness. And it's also a time for godliness. And again, I'll remind you, it's good worship. We're in this season of COVID, and I think it's a season we desperately need good worship to keep ourselves focused and to stay on the task that God has given us because we are becoming more inward focused. And I think that's natural. But I actually think it's important that we remember we're meant to be a missional church and we're meant to look outward. 
And so I don't chastise you. I'm not trying to criticize you. I, I too struggle. I too find myself looking inwardly. Most of my job is trying to figure out how we run Sunday morning better. And I long for a day when I can look outward and maybe do ministry in the prison or, or work with some of the communities in the city. But right now, this is what we have to do. But it doesn't mean we, can, we have to become myopic. We can look outward. Flip the slide. And one of the places we can look outward is in brotherly affection. And we can take our time to actually reach out to one another. It's why we've been pressing for life groups. We can make every effort, as Peter says, to connect and to engage with the community. Flip the slide. And we can love. And this is the love that looks outward where we care for our community, but we begin once again to rethink what it might mean to be a missional church in COVID. You see, this is agape love. It's love for the world. It's a spirit-given act of will to treat each other with benevolence. Faith is the foundation, but love is the goal. And they're both gifts that we already have, that God has already given us. Let's flip the slide. But this is a quality that we have to push into. You already have it, but you need to work it. It's like runners. You can be a runner. But if you want to run with excellence, you've got to practice. Karen tells me this. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment, I want to bring this back to parenting. Imagine for a moment what it would be like to parent this way. Now, I might be reminding you, because you might already be doing it. You're probably already doing it. I certainly hear stories of you already doing it. But imagine being able to do it just a little bit better. You see, as a believer, you have this divine nature in you. And I, I ask, are you growing in the degree to which you exhibit these characteristics? And do your children see this? Do your spouses see this? Do your friends see this? Do your coworkers see this? Do your children see this? Because your children know they're pretty smart about this. And I think it's important that we keep pressing into this. Let's flip the slide. We're called to pursue spiritual maturity so we can be welcomed into the kingdom. Now this is one of the tougher passages in all of Scripture because Peter, if you just look at this at face value, he's kind of implying that it's up to you. He's not saying this. Peter is saying you have the gift. Salvation is yours. But if you aren't exhibiting these gifts, if this is not growing in you, there's a problem. 
Now, when Peter wrote this letter, there were spurious Christians. There were people that were claiming to know Christ, but there was no evidence whatsoever in their lives. And they were teaching in false ways. And so he's tackling this head on. But I think for us, we too have spurious Christians. There are lots of people, and I'm not saying they're in this church, but we do see this, people who claim Christ, but live like there's no difference made in their lives. And Peter is saying, don't. Push in. Myopasan is the word in Greek, and it's actually a shutting of one's own eyes. It's this willful forgetting. It's failure to take into account something that's incredibly important. You see, Christians who claim forgiveness and act like it makes no difference at all may in fact not be known by Christ. Lord, Lord, depart from me, Jesus said, because I never knew you. You see, my main goal, my only goal, and and, and we've talked about this before, is that each and every one of you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. It would break me if any of you heard, I don't know you. So do this work is what Jesus is saying to us through Peter. Make your calling and election sure. Not salvation by works, but taking that gift of faith and working it into something of excellence so that it makes a difference in the lives of your kids, it makes a difference in the lives of your family, it makes a difference in the lives of your community. Let's flip the slide. You see, we're striving for spiritual maturity because that is what Jesus wants from us. And we will fall. Peter's not saying you won't fall. James says we will fall. And we do. I do. You do. But we have the grace to pick ourselves back up because we can control those things in our lives. We can actually take control of our tongue. We can take control of our hands. We can take control of our feet. And we can say no to things And these qualities can increase within us, and that is incredibly good news. Let's flip the slide. It is about identity. We don't have divine nature in the sense that we are God, but we are gifted with much of His nature, even though He has much, much more. But we can engage our world with these gifts, with these supplements. And we're called to do it with diligence. This is the amazing grace. Let's flip the slide. I'm going to bring this again back into focus with parenting. And there's this list I saw this week. And I think these are really the questions that are worth asking. For all of us, but for parents especially, because this is your series. Your answer to these questions are, think of the critical for understanding whether your worldview is horizontal or vertical. And I want to tell you, there are chunks of my life where it's vertical, and chunks of my life where it's horizontal, and chunks of my life where it keeps kind of flipping back and forth. This is the battle. This is the reality of being a believer. We're always fighting this out. But who do I think I am 
is really important. And when I take offense to something, it's often because I'm rooted in something I ought not to be. Who do I think God is? I think for parents this is really important because it'll influence the way you parent and the type of parent you're going to be. What do you think about life? What do you think is important? Where do you look for help? Where do you find your peace, rest, and security? I can tell you I am hearing stories, not just here, but some of us are worried. Worried about our health, worried about our jobs, worried about our country, worried about family. These are all reasonable things to have concerns for. But if we find our sense of identity, our peace, our rest, our security in those things, we're not going to live the peace-filled life that Christ has given to us. Flip the slide. Our identity, if it's rooted vertically, will allow us to go through the peaks and valleys of life with our children, with our work, with our families, with our church, with plexiglass screens, and allow us to remain a non-anxious presence. And at the end of the day, that's what your kids need. The kids need you to be a non-anxious presence more now than ever before. I've already said, imagine parenting like this. Because here's the simple truth. If you remember nothing else, remember this. The more you're rooted in Christ, the more your identity is vertically oriented, the more likely it will be that your children will look up and not out for theirs. I'll say that again. The more your identity is rooted in Christ, the more likely your children's identity will be rooted in Christ. This one's worth getting right. I know you already know this. And so many of you live this out every single day in these beautiful stories that I see. But it is my privilege to remind you. And it is a privilege. And I will do so for as long as is my privilege to do so. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your word. And Lord, we pray that you would take these supplements and root them deeply in us. You've given them to us, but help them to grow. May our hearts and souls be fertile soil. And Father, for those things that get in the way, those things that prevent us from seeing you, those things that bog us down and cloud our view, Father, help us to look up. For those areas in our lives, Lord, that we seek you, help us to know you're pleased. Father, may we share this brotherly affection, this sisterly affection. May we encourage one another. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you for our children. 
whether they be ours biologically or ours spiritually, they are an incredible gift. Help us to live up to the calling that it is to guide them. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.